0: Welcome to The Grinders Table, the podcast where we sit with C-suite executives and founders who are taking their industry by storm to figure out how you can build an exceptional career and business. Together, we'll try to uncover how they have both defined the odds and what you can learn from their experience. Today, we have someone really, really, really Amazing. I first met her at the panel that I was on with her and she had so many great insights to share. So I'm really, really excited to have her on this podcast today. Um but in my usual fashion, I don't like to introduce people. So Ashley, I'd like you to introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Okay, thanks. Thanks a lot, Owen. It's it's um a pleasure to be here. Um and it's um you know, I think the respect is mutual. So it's it's um I always enjoy speaking with you. Um, you know what, I'm actually going to go to my notes. So we had a storytelling workshop at Semicolon last week and the person facilitating, um, took us through kind of a series of prompts that resulted in describing yourself in one sentence. So I'm going to use that sentence to, to introduce myself. Um, and then I can give a little bit more background. Um, but my, and this is a work in progress. Um, but the sentence I came up with is, I unlock other people's potential to change the world by relentlessly using the full force of my mind, heart, and smile. so So that's kind of encapsulates um how today um I see my kind of impact, purpose, and maybe strengths um, that that I bring to bear um, in in the work that I do. Um, but in terms of a more traditional introduction, um, so my name is Ashley Emanuel. I'm the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Semicolon. Um, and Semicolon is a social enterprise um, that's working to support Africa's digital transformation um, by building tech-focused talent in businesses. Um, so my um, I've always been very impact-focused in my career. Um, prior to working with Semicolon, um, I was CEO of an organization called Ifina, um, which is like a think tank that promotes inclusive finance in Nigeria. Um, and earlier in my career, um, I started off my career in management consulting in the United States.
0: Oh well. But I, I like to take a step back, right, to your initial introduction. And I think that that's amazing because somebody earlier today mentioned that she wanted to be, become non-conventional in the way she introduced herself <laughs> because <laughs> she didn't want to be defined by her job. She didn't want to be defined by the things people see her do, but, the, but she wanted to be defined by what makes her happy, What what's, the, what's called to her. And I think that's something that a lot of us need to do some more. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, that was really, really a great exercise. Um, so I see that you have this passion for Africa. What exactly sparked that interest?
1: Well, oh, that's an interesting question. Um, so I, I grew up in the United States, and um, I don't know. I, I think I always knew that I wanted to live abroad at some point. Um, I was just always very I I actually studied sociology in university. Um, I was always very curious about different cultures um, and, yeah, just kind of different parts of the world. Um, So when I was a consultant um, with IBM Global Business Services in the U.S., um my um for several years i worked with the us agency for international development um which sort of combined my interest areas of impact focused work and also international work um and i used to do teach training for USAID um staff in different locations around the world um i don't know i just really um nigeria was not the first place i came in africa it was ethiopia and i actually w- went to several different countries in africa before coming here Um, But when uh, I I first came to Nigeria um, through an IBM program called Corporate Service Corps, um, and I sort of had the opportunity to choose among different countries and chose Nigeria because I think it's the most interesting and also probably most important from a development point of view um, in in terms of different countries. Um, So I came here, spent a month, sort of fell in love. And um, was interested in, at that point, by the time I left, um, after that one-month assignment, um, by the time I left Nigeria, I was pretty sure I wanted to move back. Um, And uh, coincidentally, I met the person on that trip um, who had later become my husband, who was a Nigerian (laughs) man. So then (laughs) it became a lot easier. (laughs) So uh, it wasn't a green card marriage, but it it was a convenient way. (laughs) <laughs> for for me to to relocate here, so I don't know. I mean, but I just like and everywhere it has its, its strengths and its weaknesses. But I feel I feel very comfortable here. Um, I think Nigeria in particular is very welcoming. You know, hospitality is really valued. I is much more welcoming than United States <laughs> is welcoming to foreigners. Um, so I, I felt welcome. You know, from my first days here, um, and I, I just like—I don't—I like the vibrancy of of the culture, right? Um, I, I love to dance, so I mean, let, let's be honest with ourselves: Africa has the best dancing. I think that's just—I <laughs> think that's just official, <laughs> right? <laughs> I I love, you know, the the music, um, kind of across the across the board from, you know, the kind of um, Sonia de Fela, to Afrobeats, to Ama piano, et cetera. um the the colors, the food, everything. Um so, yeah, and then from a work point of view, I think that there's there's just so much potential to drive impact here um in a way that you can't that I can't do um living and working in the United States. Um, so I, I find, I feel that I can live a, I can be more impactful, and I can live a much more meaningful life here as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I I believe you when you say you like Nigerian music because you went all the way to Kingston, <laughs> and fella. Yes, you do know your music. Um, in, in talking about um your work with IBM, you sort of mentioned you studied sociology, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to put the two things together from sociology to tech. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm not really like a big planner um it, it, well let me let me put it this way in terms of how i live my life um, i'm very clear on my values and my worldview and that i want to be impact focused um but other than that i just sort of follow that passion and let have let things fall into place and it's worked for me so far so um when i was in university i mean americans um the American university system is a bit different than much of the world actually, um, in that it's um, it's less specialized and um, you don't really need to know, you don't really need to start with a specific career in mind um, in order to have a meaningful university education. So when I started, um, I, I attended Duke University in the US, which I loved. Um, when I started, I was undecided or undeclared in my major, and then sort of waited until the last minute to choose because I've always loved school. So I, I liked I liked science, I liked math, um, I liked philosophy, I liked everything. Uh, but I just really found some of the classes in sociology and cultural anthropology very interesting because for the first time in you know my life as a student. Those classes sort of challenged me to take look at the world I thought I knew in a different light, um, sort of challenged me to think again and open up my mind a bit. Um, and my philosophy was, well, I didn't know what career I wanted exactly, that in university, what I wanted to achieve was I wanted to learn to think, um, learn to write. Um, I ended up through uh, more through my student activities, actually picking up a lot of leadership skills and experience as well. Um, so I, I decided, look, let me just choose um, a subject matter that I'll be engaged with um, and that will help me build those skills. And that's that's why I studied sociology. But I really had no idea what I was going to do with that, um, with that major. And um, it, funny enough, I, you know, later on, I actually ended up using different things I had learned in various ways. Um, So I think, and this is what sometimes I'll tell people starting your career. I mean, you never know, uh, you never know exactly how you're going to use knowledge, right? Um, So I think early days, it's best to just be as inquisitive as possible, learn as much as possible, get as much experience as possible. Um, And then the dots will connect later. I, I, I kind of ag- I, I agree with you
0: wholeheartedly because um, last week I was telling somebody that um, we are sum total of our experiences uh. and um, you find your purpose in doing stuff. So while everybody says, you know, you have to have this grand vision of yourself, you have to have this big goal, what's your 10-year plan? Oftentimes yes. for me, while I have that at the back of my mind, I find that focusing on the now and focusing on creating impact and value that now kind of leads me to the next thing. I, exactly. I I, yeah. I kind of always I'm sad when I see people burdened about oh this this big thing I set up for myself I don't think I can ever achieve it when there is the mm-hmm. mount Um. Anyways. Um. Were there times where you lost your resolve? Um, i a be so. You sound like that. this again. I don't know if this is the best description, but this happy go lucky person that says <laughs> things didn't go well today, don't worry tomorrow. I'm going to just wake up and everything will be fine. Uh, this is an assumption. How do you had were there times where you felt like your life wasn't going the way you wanted it to go, and how did you manage yourself? Or how did you realign your mindset to, to keep on driving and pushing yourself?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I've never had a period where I was really, really set back. Um, You know, so I think in hindsight, I'm sort of fortunate um, because other people have probably faced much more significant setbacks in in different ways, um, just based on circumstances. Um, I mean, there were times, I I think maybe in my 20s, um, sort of, not at the start start of my career, but a few years in, you know, I was sort of getting more settled into work, settled into adulthood, uh, living on my own, etc. Um, but maybe didn't know exactly where I was going. You know, I, I think um there was a point at which I was probably drifting a bit, um, and just going through the motions. Um, but I, I just remember there was a point when I felt a bit just kind of down, um, and so, and sometimes you feel the way, and you don't really know why. So, so I remember taking a, the time to one weekend to stop and reflect and sort of journaled, which is not a regular habit for me, but is something that I'll do when I'm really trying to reflect or kind of deal with a challenge or make a decision. Um, and I, I think it was, and I was thinking then about all of life, right? Um, including relationships. um so i wasn't I wasn't married. I wasn't in a serious relationship at that time. Um, yeah, so I think that for me, just going through that reflection um has helped me. Um, later on, when I first, not long after I came to Nigeria, I mean, there were different challenges along the way uh, in terms of moving to Nigeria. Um, because I was so excited to be here, I think that sort of overshadowed the challenges. And I, I knew there would be challenges. So I was sort of prepared for that um, early stage. But um, then when I started working for a Nigerian company and faced a whole nother wave of culture shock, um, and it was a very high pressure working environment. Um, I think I think there were some challenges then. Um, I don't know if I actually had a very healthy way of dealing it. But I think I just Thought, thought I could work my way out of the situation. Um, which, you know, many years later I've finally started to learn is is not always is usually not your best approach, right? You usually can't just stay up until 2 a.m. every day and and solve all of the problems. Um but but yes that was probably how I how I um tried to tackle it that time. And I think maybe I just survived until circumstances changed a little bit. <laughs> but I will say to the to the positivity bit. Um, so there was a point last, I, I've always been a bit of a positive person. Um, there was a time last year, I listened to a very interesting TED talk about positive mindsets and how our brains are, I think it is 30% more effective when we're in a positive frame of mind. Uh, you know, all the other benefits that come along with just kind of having positive outlook And the speaker had recommended some specific actions we could take every day, put ourselves in a positive frame of mind, like thinking, identifying things we're grateful for, reflection, meditation, exercise, et cetera. Um, So I I asked people in our semicolon community, you know, I'm going to try doing this for three weeks. Does anybody want to join me? And a few people put up their hands and we started a group. And I thought it would just be for about three weeks. Um, And it sort of grew into uh, a group forming and then a larger group forming. And we actually just came, kind of met maybe 30 people who are sort of um, on this positive mindset journey. So it's something that um, I've I've been sort of thinking about and exploring more in terms of um, being deliberate about having a positive mindset, sort of regardless of what's happening. And I think that's really important in in Nigeria, <laughs> as, yeah. as much as it is, you know, anywhere else. Yeah, and in life, general, I think that 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 that
0: word being deliberate, because you're not going to be excited every time, you're not going to always feel that burst of energy. But you, yeah. if you determine within yourself to say, "Hey, I'm going to tackle this thing with a positive mindset," you, you, there's probably that shift in your brain to say, "Okay, I could actually yeah. do this." Yeah, um, I, I, there's a question that I, I, I'm boring to ask you, and and that's this is because um, I've dealt with thousands of founders over the years, and half the time, well, not half the time, that was my exaggeration, but there are a lot of co-founder issues. Now, you and me your to run a business. How <laughs> have you? Been, have you survived doing that? I mean, and and are there, are there tips to share?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and a lot of people ask. And about half of the time, the ones who are married, about half of them say, oh, I could never do that, <laughs> which is, you know, every every couple is different. Um, I think, you know, actually, and it was a, to be honest with you, it was a bit of a gamble, right? So um, our journey with Semicolon, we actually, we were living in the U.S. for a few years and we moved back to Nigeria to do Semicolon, basically. And me i'm a bit more risk averse than my husband um but but i knew both of us knew uh, what things tend to be like in early days of a startup so i thought to be safe one of us should go and earn salary um initially and the ifina um where i had worked before they were already kind of calling me to come back um when they heard that i was moving back to nigeria so so i so for the first few years of semicolon um, it was just Sam, my my husband and co-founder, who who started and was running the business. Um, and then I came over um, just about a year ago, in 2022, um, after I had been able to um, kind of find my replacement as the next CEO for Afina and transition out. Um, so anyway, I mean, even then, when I was kind of making the the transition over we had planned as much as we can plan, but it's always a bit of a gamble. Um, but fortunately, I think it's actually gone really well so far. Um, I think there are a few things that help. Um, one is I, I probably wouldn't have done this very early in our marriage. So I think it helped that we had already been married for 10 years Um actually joined semicolon on april 1st and our 10 year anniversary was march 31st so it was exactly it was exactly 10 years last year that we had been married so i think we already had the foundation for you know understanding how to work together right and make decisions together and manage conflict together and just we had that a bit of the foundation of the relationship um so i think i think that helped number 1 um number 2 we have different areas of strength, um, so I think that also helps. Um, we have some complementary skills. So uh, Sam is a software engineer. Um, he also has more of a background in the financial sector. He has an MBA, so he's, he's stronger on the um, technical, like on the tech side, and also some aspects of running the business, including things like dealing with the fundraise, right? And equity investment and so forth. Um, My, me, I, my background was, you know, management, consulting, training, right? So I have more experience in teaching, um, which is a critical component of our business. Um, uh, But also I had been a CEO. I had, you know, I just run a business in different contexts. So I think um, it helps that we have different strengths and they're complementary. So we're not... You know, there are places where I know I should yield to his judgment and vice versa. Um, but I think that also in terms of having a co-founder, I mean, you know, when you have a startup, it's like another child, right? So I think of Semicolon as our third child, and it's kind of nice in some ways, you know, if if the something is going to be consuming his waking hours and it's going to be consuming my waking hours, it's kind of nice for it to be the same thing. So in a way it sort of helps us balance, uh, you know, the two of us can sort of look at everything we need to do, work and life and family holistically and say, okay, you need to focus on, you know, you're, you're going to go take this trip with the family. You're going to stay behind and work on these key deliverables for the business. Um, we'll we'll meet in the middle on this other thing. Right. Um, and when you know, he's working late, I'm not resentful. And when I'm working late, he's not resentful because we're we're attuned um, to what needs to be done. And on the business side, I think it's really critical to have a co-founder who you just are 100% aligned in terms of your values and your vision. Uh, and I think it's also important critical to have a co-founders who trust each other 100%. So in that regard, it's... Um, I think that part has been really nice. And since both of us, before I moved to Semicolon, both of us were running companies separately. He was CEO of Semicolon and I was CEO of Ifina. I think we've actually both felt the relief of, it can be lonely being CEO, right? Because the all of this, there's just so much responsibility. When there are problems, the staff look at you, the board looks at you, the investors look <laughs> at you, and Afina, the donors right, look at you. So now it sort of feels like there are two of us together instead of one of us alone. So I think we felt both kind of breathed a sigh of relief uh, when we made that move.
0: Mm. Thank thank you for sharing. Um, Well, this this is more from this is a funny question sort of. So maybe you don't need to answer it, (laughs) but. Who, who is the who is the spender and who is the frugal person? If it's one that says, hey, 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 we need to watch the spending. Let's let's go check. Um, I mean, who's the spender and who's who's the one that is more frugal?
1: Um, so I've always been pretty frugal. Um I, I would I feel like there's a joke here somewhere about the fact that he's Nigerian, but let me let, let, me, let me not let me not make that an offend people. Um but I've um I've always been kind of frugal. And I think I mean I, I maybe there is some cultural difference in our background because Americans Americans who have money, you won't always know that they have money if you if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They still they still, you know, might fly cheap airlines. They you know, most won't wear designer clothes or things like that um but i think in nigeria there's a bit more of that packaging right um so i, I think we maybe his context he came from um lends itself a little bit more to uh, a lifestyle of starting to spend once you have money um he does he does have you know, there are a few things we've we've spent on. Um, like he has a nice watch, but me, I've never spent. I, I can't spend money on watches or or anything. Uh, but I think that these days, these days, now that we are, um, you know, running a startup in in this Nigeria, and then we're also, I mean, our our business is very deliberately focused on not serving wealthy people exclusively. Most of the people, um, actually just realizing I didn't really introduce semicolon, but part of what we do is train software engineers. we're gonna go there anyways. (laughs) Okay, so like most of the software engineers can't, um, you know, weren't working or were earning very little before they come to us. Um, So um, we're running a business that's very deliberately focused on um, being accessible to people from all backgrounds, including low-income backgrounds, uh, which means that, you know, and, and then running a business, you have to be frugal. Um, you have to, every every single cobalt, you have to think about where it's gonna go. Um, so between that and then being surrounded by, you know, hundreds of people in our community who all have so much need, um, I think now neither of us is is tempted to be spending any money on luxury items. <laughs> It's a pretty simple lifestyle. Plus, we're paying school fees and our kids, I'm sure by the time we blink, it'll be time to pay university or wherever. So <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not in spending mode right now. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Oh, you've all been listening to Ashley Manuel, co-founder of Semicolon. Um, this has just been an amazing conversation. Please share with your friend. Please subscribe on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google, and whatever channel you you would like to listen to your podcast. Um, so talk about semicolon rights. um we do have a pipeline problem, a talent problem, and everybody keeps on mm-hmm. saying it. but i i talk about how you're solving it with semicolon
1: yeah, so uh, you're exactly right. I mean, the problem is clear, right? In Africa, we have so many unemployed or underemployed uh, people, particularly very big youth. Uh, demographic. Um, and at the same time, we have businesses everywhere, startups, uh, larger established businesses like you know banks, um larger tech companies, et etc, who just cannot find the the tech talent that they need. Um so there's an obvious uh, sort of need for us to be building more tech talent. Um, I but but, Doing that is is hard, right? So I think that's why um, we, we've we not seen it, um, you know, why it hasn't really been done before. Um, so for Semicolon, we're really bridging that gap um, by, by building up that talent. Um, we started with a techpreneurship program um, in which we train software engineers, but we also include a lot of other critical skills to enable them for you know, really the workforce of the future. Um, So problem solving, software engineering, um, entrepreneurship and business management, and also those core, um, you know, leadership skills, communication, self-management, et cetera. Um, So we have a one-year program, um, nine months of classroom and projects and so forth, and then three months of practical experience through internship um, or a Kind of idea to MVP for those going the entrepreneurship route um through which people, including many of who have no prior experience in tech, um through which people can, you know um as a highly employable uh, software engineer. so so that's um, where we've started A semicolon. Um we've now built our own digital platform um called Enum that enables um, both, um, the kind of training and learning and upskilling, um, but also talent management and matching. So recruitment, um, outsourcing, et cetera. So really kind of looking at that holistic end-to-end, um, building the talent, but also connecting talent with, with the right jobs. Um, and then at semicolon, we also do a couple other things. So we we have semicolon labs um, through which we um, implement projects, do advisory, and so forth, as well as outsourced services um, for businesses who, you know, need some kind of support in their digital transformation. Um, and we have semicolon ventures for the um, to really kind of birth um, and get off the ground new innovative businesses um, who will really, you know, be the job creators of the future. Um, so those. Those people are not only solving local problems, but also um, creating jobs in this market.
0: Amazing, amazing stuff. It it looks like your hands are busy, quite a number of stuff. And and honestly, I love your approach to solving this challenge pipeline problem that we all have been complaining about for the last couple of years. Um, In hindsight, what's the best piece of advice anyone has given you? (laughs) And, uh, oh, and and then also, after that, what's the worst piece of advice you've gotten? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a very interesting question. I'm sure I'll think of better responses later, but let, let me try. Uh, best piece of advice. I I think I don't know if this is... This is sort of advice stroke experience, um, but I was thinking about this the other day. So um, my father was um kind of, he was an entrepreneur. He he worked in Silicon Valley in the US um, for a long time where I grew up. Um, but I remember once when I was young, I was taking ice skating class. And there was a day he took me um to the ice rink to practice. And he was asking me, okay, what are you learning? What are you practicing? And I said, um, these are all the things that I'm doing. But this one move, which they called backward fishies, but kind of like skating backwards in a certain way. Um, I I've, I didn't like um, because I wasn't good at it. And I remember he said, okay, what I think you should do is pra- spend the whole rest of this time practicing your backward fishies, right? So he sat there and I practiced it and practiced it. And I was you know, kind of miserable for the you know, at least the first half. But by the end of that session, I was good at that thing and I enjoyed doing it. So I think that just that kind of attitude um, and support that I always got from my father, um, both my parents, but um, all, inclusive of my father in terms of you can do things, sort of um, lean into the things that are difficult and, you know, don't don't shy away from it. You just have to kind of work hard and, and try. Um and you can sort of overcome, but also enjoy it. So I think I would sort of put that as the best. Ah, huh, worst, worst. Um, I, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure there were so many. I think. Um, I don't know if it's. I'm going to also kind of broaden this to a maybe more conceptual, but I think that the social maybe norms which manifest in small pieces of advice around gender dynamics Mm -hmm. um, is probably the worst advice right um because it it can it can be limiting for men as well but it can definitely be limiting for women um so things i mean you know i don't believe i I believe my husband and i well my husband and i believe that we are equal partners um in our marriage right um So, you know, I sort of rejected advice um, around um, or the idea that he would always be the single decision maker, Um, sort of maybe rejected some of the expectations um, around women not taking on leadership roles um, or or even, you know, not maybe being in certain spaces or conversations, um, which if I'm being honest, since I'm a foreigner in Nigeria and as an Oyubo person, I'm a visible foreigner, sometimes it's a little easier for me um, to sort of break out of the the gender expectations. But maybe I would sort of say that that's kind of the social advice um, that I I thought was bad and I didn't take is the restrictions on how a woman should behave. Uh
0: I, I, again, I agree with you. Um, I'm married to a very, I won't say opinionated, but I say very driven woman. And <laughs> oftentimes when she does her work, I, I get to see how social norms um, are, are sort of set to restrict how far she mm. can go. You know, and, and it's sad. It's sad. And that, that's why we're doing all the work that we're doing because we want to change society for the better. We want things to be better for people coming um, way after exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah, uh, in in rounding up, um, do you have any any advice to share for founders who are trying to build their careers?
1: Oh gosh, for founders, I mean, so we have we have a whole bunch of founders here at Zemikola Ventures, and I mean, one thing when people are considering it, um, you know, I, I I try to be as honest as possible that it can be great and rewarding, but the journey is not easy. Right That you need to be prepared to be hungry, uh possibly for a few years. um so there there's a lot of sacrifice, I-, I guess I could say um that goes into it um but but for so you have to really be committed and uh, committed enough that that commitment will give you the stamina um for for at least a few years. um I think what else for founders? you know, I think just being really values driven as well. Um, so for semicolon, one of our core values is integrity. And we know that that means we will probably lose a little bit of business. There are certain times where we won't do deal in, you know, uh, mobilize kickbacks in, in certain ways. And, um, we were very clear about that um, when we set up the business and we we continued to be. So, and and I think, you know, for every founder, there are, there are points when you'll be challenged in different ways. But I think if there's a really clear set of values and a clear vision um, and you just stick to that um, unwaveringly, then I, I think other things fall into place.
0: Thank you so much. That's a really, really, really good advice. By the way, um, I haven't done this to other guests, but you would have to recommend one new person for the podcast because I, I, I believe that I get amazing people on the on the podcast and I know they have amazing people in their network that I've, people need to hear from.
1: Okay, definitely. I can think of like at least five. So <laughs> I'll send you a list.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you so much for speaking with us. Um, I'll let you go you know continue work because you're a hard worker <laughs>
1: <laughs> bye all right thanks very much oh i really enjoyed it thanks a lot yeah have a great day
0: that's all on today's episode of the grinders table and thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you like to support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me you can follow me on instagram and twitter at Montior UM that's at Montior for Miss Time French UM thanks again and i'll see you next time